0: Welcome back to the Mason Jar Podcast. I'm Karen Kern, the host of this eight-episode series called Education is a Life, Creating Purposeful Culture in Our Homes. This fourth episode is about food, how food and the tradition surrounding it helps create a culture that will nourish our families in soul and body. And my guest today is Renee Mathis. Hello, Renee. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so you're, you come from Houston, Texas, and um, you are the mother of five grown children. And how many grandchildren? Seven. Seven. We have almost seven also. Um, lots of blessings these days, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Fun, fun,
0: fun. So tell us about, tell us about your kids and your grandchildren and how you have just recently retired from many, many years of teaching. Tell sure. us a little bit about all that.
1: Well, um, I started homeschooling 30 years ago with my oldest, and I have just hung up my dry erase markers, put the red pen away, and retired the lesson plan book for good, um, I I began teaching about 20 years ago in a local homeschool tutorial called prep classes. And I probably had more confidence than since and more confidence than I deserved to have. But I took on the, (laughs) 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 on the, the middle school reading and writing class and a little bit later took on the high schoolers. Um, But with a lot of help from some wonderful mentors and friends, including Cersei, including Andrew Kern and the apprenticeship, God was very good. And those were very good years. And uh, they've recently come to an end. So my official classroom years are over. But as I tell people, I'm not bored. I'm not really retired because I'm still a head mentor with the Cersei apprenticeship. So I lead Mm. the Gulf Coast group. Um, I'm doing writing workshops for the Lost Tools of Writing. I work with women's ministry and my local church here in Houston. And my newest project that I'm pretty excited about is I will be having my own series of eight podcasts on the Mason
0: Jar Network, and we're going to be talking about mentoring. That's perfect. That's just great for you. I'm so glad you're doing that. I know David is very glad too to have another voice and lots of wisdom that will come from you. So thanks for that. You're welcome. And I'm um, to. so, so you are busy. You are busy even though you're not teaching regularly, and I bet you'll be busy with your grandchildren. Of course. Do any of them live close by?
1: No. um, Well, yes and no. Our two sons live here in Houston, and uh, one is married with the three little boys, and the other one is single. And then our three daughters have all ended up in Tennessee because of school and and marriage. And so four of the grandchildren um, live in Jackson, Tennessee, and then I have a married daughter in Chattanooga and an unmarried daughter in Nashville. Who is a professional baker?
0: I know I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's a pretty so um, you will be busy traveling. Of course. Yes. Right. So (laughs) I found that after I finished all my years, 12 years of teaching third grade in a classical school, I thought, Oh, I'm I'm gonna be at home. And I have not been at home. And like this this spring, like since January, we have either been traveling or have had people in our house almost constantly. But right now we're in this little, little respite of 10 days at home, not going anywhere and not having anybody over Nice. To stay. So <laughs> it's quite, but all that to say that you think you're going to, you think that this stage in life is going to be, you know, lots of time to do, I don't know, nothing. And that's just not the case. You're just, it just fills up with lots of really great things, busyness of a different kind. Yes. Yeah. So I, so in this, in this podcast series, we're talking about culture and creating purposeful culture in our homes. And the first episode was about uh, introductory with Emily Hill and Heidi White. And then I talked about faith with Cindy McAllister and I talked about service and kindness in our communities and in our homes with my friend Christina Davis. And so on this fourth one, we're talking about food and the importance of it in creating culture in our home. And when I, thought about who to have on with me, you were just the only person, the first and only person that came to mind. And I thought it's gotta be Renee. And because I know how much you love to cook, And, um, and how much, how food and how beautiful food feeds the body and soul. And I, I've seen your posts about restaurants that you love to go to and beautifully plated meals. And so I know it's really important to you. And it's been a big part of your motherhood. And I'm just wondering if you can kind of trace that for us and say and tell us, why is it so significant to you? and to your mothering years?
1: That's a good question. Thank you. Um, Well, I'm one of those that I remember the first cookbook I ever received when I was a little kid, and it was the Betty Crocker Boys and Girls Junior Cookbook. And I remember just basically cooking my way through as much of it as I could. I've just always loved to cook. when I, when I got to high school, um, I found there was this big wide world out there like Julia Child and Bon Appetit magazine, and I would, <laughs> I would be the one, I would be babysitting, and as soon as my homework was through, I'd whip out my notebook and my pen, and I would go to the bookshelves of whoever I was babysitting at and start copying down their recipes. And so my favorite babysitting families were the ones with the best cookbook collection. And I still have some of those recipes that I copied down. So it's probably not any surprise that when I got to college, I was going to major in home ec. And part of that involved an internship uh, my freshman year at a cooking school. So I was the assistant to the the teachers. I was like a fly on the wall. I could copy more recipes down. I learned so much. It was so much fun, um, just to, to cook and to learn from people who did that for a living. So it's probably no surprise that when I got married and we started our own family and have kids that, that food was just a big part of, of our family. um, my mom and dad come from very different food worlds, you might say. My mom was raised in West Texas, and my dad's from South Louisiana. So you mix those two together. You have Cajun, Tex-Mex, um, just down-home cooking. My grandparents always had a garden and put up things, you know, w- what you put in a mason jar, you know, to relate yeah. it back to the podcast, yeah. but all the, all the stuff from the garden that, that was saved and preserved. And so... Um, probably one of the best illustrations of, of this in our family was, um, my middle son when he was about eight years old, you know, we homeschooled all the way through one day we were all making lunch or he was making lunch and, and he does have an artistic bent, but he sat there and I still can, I can see this to this day in my mind. It is so clear. He sat there and looked at his plate and he said, this plate doesn't look right. It needs something green on it. Mom, do we have some cilantro? <laughs> <laughs> He went and garnished his lunch. Wow. So how was he? (laughs) So, you know, so they've all grown up working, working in the food industry at some point in their life. they, They weren't all good at it. They didn't all love it. But I feel like it was a real formative part of their growing up years. Um, Everything from, you know, skipping ice cream to making donuts to working as a waitress, um, they've worked front of the house, they've worked back of the house, they worked in production, um, and so I think they've learned a lot about serving other people, about interacting with the public um, about how to get a job. Um, my one daughter walked into a bakery here in Houston and she said, oh, I I see you serve, you know, X, Y, Z coffee. Um, my brother works for them and we, we use that at our house and she was hired pretty much on the spot. um, And she's the one who is to this day, a a professional baker. So I guess you'd say we just love to eat. We like to, to eat together and, um, it's a lot of fun for us.
0: Um, so, um, we have been reading together um well I was I've been reading um the hidden art of homemaking do you have that book too I do yeah so um i I just love this book and uh, for our listeners who don't know it the hidden art of Homemaking is by Edith Schaefer and uh, Francis Schaefer's wife and years years and years ago uh, this was printed I think in nineteen. 19- Seventy one, And I think there might have been one before that. And then she had a book called What is a Family. Um, are you familiar with that book? I just remember <laughs> it was a really large, I had a really large, fat, hardcover, hardcover copy of What is a Family. And these were like the handbooks for young mothers back in the 70s. Uh, and I had a copy that was all dog-eared, and then when I thought about this podcast and about food and some of the other topics we're doing, I thought, I have got to get my hand on the hidden art of homemaking, and I couldn't find my copy, so I went to my friend Rebecca Leland, who has every book, and who homeschooled, you know, herself, and and her mother homeschooled six kids. I thought, I bet she has it, and indeed she did. And so um, I have been just enjoying this chapter called Food in this book, and I love how it it begins um with with the story you know of of the children of israel in the wilderness and uh god giving them manna and how they complained about it and um and she says this this was not wrong because it is wrong to enjoy a variety of flavors, but because God had promised them that marvelous things lay ahead, marvelous food, among other things, and they did not really believe that this was true. They did not look forward with faith and trust in what God had promised, nor did they appreciate His way of caring for them in the present moment, nor did they have any patience. Their complaining was an indication of a lack of trust that the manna was temporary, and a lack of appreciation of the fact that it was a Marvelous food while traveling to that which lay ahead, but was not meant to be to be permanent. And um, I love how God promised them this delicious food, and. Um, uh, they did not look forward with faith and trust in what God had promised. And it, it was his way of nurturing them. And it made me think about how as mothers, food is what we use to nurture our children, not just their bodies, which the manna did, but also their souls and how, you know, later on they would be in the promised land having wonderful, beautiful, delicious flavors and colors. And, um, she says later that God has not given us sensitivities and appreciations which cannot be fulfilled anywhere in the universe He has created. In His perfect economy of creation, God did not create lo- loose ends. God made man with tremendous diversity in many areas, including the enjoyment, the area of enjoyment of food. And I love this because it kind of relates to how we we um, we nurture our children with food. Can you talk a little bit about? about the nurturing of their souls while we nurture their bodies with food and with their meals and tradition and that kind of thing? Sure. Um,
1: you're right. I think because God made us to enjoy so many wonderful things that, um, you know, there, there is just so much joy that we can associate with the simple act of sitting down to eat. and And it should be a time of of celebration and, um, delight. And, you know, so many times I know meals, mealtime, such when you have little kids can just feel like such a stressful time. So whatever we can do to, you know, you, you have different seasons and we can ease the stress in, in different ways at different seasons. But, um, as, as mothers and creating this culture in our home, you know, one of the biggest things I would encourage young moms to do is just eat together. And that's something I sort of took for granted. I thought everybody always ate together. And so then when I would hear about other families who don't, that would just seem so sad to me. You know, why would, why would you have a TV tray in front of the, on the couch when you could be sitting around a table together? Um, so definitely trying to prioritize as much as possible, given everybody's schedules and so forth. But, um, I hope that our kids, you know, grow up and they see that as the norm. That's that's what that's what people do. That's what families do is they eat together, because there is something about not only the shared preparation of the meal, working together to fix it, but um, enjoying it together, working together to clean it up. um, You know, bringing everything. Back to neatness and order after a chaos. <laughs> you know, mm. We're made to enjoy that as well. Um and, and it, it should just be fun and not not a time of, of stress or um, you know, mealtime angst and and different things. And if you have a baby who's in a high chair throwing food on the floor, you laugh and you pick it up and you, you know, you move the plate a little farther away, or, or you do what you have to do. Yeah. Um and, you know, we've had some silly things, you know. It, when, when you're at homeschooling, I thought it was going to be easier if I just bought cafeteria trays for everybody. And so I think I bought them at Walmart. And uh, so nobody's food would touch and nobody would complain.
0: Hi, <laughs> so, you have your space. Keep yeah. your hands in your so own space. Don't let it go off the tray. <laughs> right, right. So we laughed about that.
1: Um, uh, we had... When, one time we were sitting down eating dinner and someone got the bright idea of, you know, and there were seven of us, so it was a pretty long table. Um, someone asked for someone to pass something and instead of doing it the civilized way and picking up the dish, they just slid it down the table from one end to the other. Mm. And it reminded me of the old, you know, in the Wild West, when the cowboy goes into the bar That's and right. the balloon keeper slides the drink you know, Slide down the Slide it down.
0: That's efficiency. Right. So
1: I, I got the bright idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we would just serve dinner on the air hockey table, this
0: would be a lot easier because <laughs> the dishes could all be sliding around. <laughs> um, And I really really want to go back to this for a second of eating together because it's, I think it's so used to be the norm and -hmm. it's just not anymore. And if we don't get a hold of that in the younger years when kids are at home, you're not going to be able to get a hold of it in the teen years when they have jobs and sports yes. and church activities in the evening yes. and, you know, husband's career might even be busier and he's working later and mom is so busy that if you don't, you really have to grab a hold of it and start the traditions and enjoy them then because it naturally scatters more when they get into the high school years. It does. And and I remember we had we had two meal traditions that were weekly in our home, and they were both on Saturday. And one was Saturday morning cowboy breakfast. I don't know why we call it cowboy breakfast, because it was soft-boiled eggs in egg cups, which is really more like English aristocracy than <laughs> the Wild West. I don't think cowboys really used egg cups. <laughs> so we, we called it a cowboy breakfast, though, and it was toast points and um, bacon and um Soft-boiled eggs. I don't. I don't know why, but the boys came to the table in their hats and you know their holsters and their cowboy boots. So maybe that's why we called it that. And then Saturday evening was pizza, homemade pizza every night, every Saturday night for years and years and years until those teen years, where they would be at work or they would be you know at youth group or um, at sports. And it just seems like after that, we just couldn't maintain it anymore. So we, I really, really look back on those early years of those traditions when they were actually in my control and in our house
1: mm-hmm. well and the yeah. news is when they grow up and have kids of their own it's not you know you can always build on that it's never too late to go back to now it's fun to have them as adults to bring the grandkids over on sunday right and yeah. hey, we're doing the whole thing all over again and and exposing the the grandkids to the favorite foods and and involving them and in the traditions and 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 that way
0: that's, that's what a tradition is, right? It's multi-generational. It's, it's in your own home and in your own years, but it's also goes outside of the home and into the other generations, which makes it really beautiful.
1: And I think just having the kids help cook, you know, and having a say in in what they like and and what they want to, to, to be a part of the meal is a lot of fun. I know sometimes, this is a little tip, I guess, if I can throw this in for the younger ones. Um, yes, tips are great. You know, how? What do you do when your kids don't like anything and, and that kind of thing? And we, we always had a rule at our house that everyone is allowed to not like one thing. And and that can be the one thing that, without question, I will not serve you and I will never ask you to try a bite because I just know you hate it. And so we were, everyone was fine with that. It did get a little tricky keeping track of who hated what food, but that was my <laughs> goal, not theirs. Because I know what that's like. I mean, I personally cannot stand raw tomatoes, and I just don't want to eat a raw tomato. Please don't ask me to eat that. So, but I'll eat anything else and try everything else. So, I I feel
0: the kids, you know, they they deserve the same consideration. So, yeah. So, what do you think about what would you what what advice would you have for disciplining? So, disciplining at the table, um, um, requiring kids, as you said, to eat something they don't like. you know, I mean, there ha- there has to be some level of civility going on and actual eating going on, but you also don't want every mealtime to be a battle. Right, right. So, and I'm, I was not know, going to be a
1: short order cook either. Um, right. I, mean, I, I, I feel like I cooked good food. There are foods that we all liked. Again, if it was, you know, one thing you didn't like, you didn't have to eat it, but everything else was tasty and, um, we all enjoyed it. And maybe I was just more fortunate than most moms in that respect, but my kids were all good eaters. Um, and we just never really had a lot of battles. There were, there were some times I remember it's like, well, there's always peanut butter and jelly. You know, if you don't like this, Um, I'm not going to make a big fight about it, but you have to eat something. So go make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and sit at the table with us. And we're all going to eat together.
0: So what if somebody, what if somebody just didn't eat, like you hear, you, you hear stories of families where they say, well, you didn't eat this tonight. You can eat it tomorrow. Or you didn't eat this for lunch. You can eat it for dinner. Um, did, Did you ever have that scenario going on? I don't think that, I don't think I ever did that, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I,
1: I don't think I did either. Um, we, you know, we would give them small bits and build from there. You know, never, never ask them to eat a ton at one time. So it was always, you know, at least try one bite. And if you really don't want the rest of it, you know, there there'll be something on the table that you do eat. No one's going to walk away hungry. Um, I'm sure you know we did things like.
0: No dessert if you don't eat your meatloaf. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but I remember one one time when Matthew was was little, like I don't know, two or three, and he just refused to say please, and he refused to say thank you, and he just was going to dig his heels in, and so I I just couldn't figure out what to do with him because I thought all you have to do is say please. You know, or or all you have to do is say thank you, and he just refused to say those things. So then we had about a period of about a week, or or five days, or whatever it was, where we only gave him what he needed to survive. So he had his main food there, but he didn't get any dessert, or he didn't get anything else until he said it. And he was just stubborn; like he could say it, he just <laughs> decided not to. And it, it it was just a bizarre thing that we'll always remember that about him. But you know, then he went on to not behave like that anymore.
1: Oh <laughs> well, yeah, and, I but mean, Yeah, We just have these peculiar struggles. Yeah, their personalities show up I, you know, at the dinner table. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, that's for it. sure.
0: And they're yes, and and one thing that that Andrew and I did for a little while, maybe because we had five kids in eight years, and so you know there was a few years there where it was just really chaos. So I remember um, we said, okay, the first five minutes of dinner, y'all just have to eat. And daddy and I get to talk. And and I don't know how that didn't go on very long, I don't think, but we just felt like we just needed some chaos. We just really needed. We really, really needed five minutes of quiet. You know. <laughs> so that's how we got it. <laughs> well that's and then, the kids
1: get five minutes where they get to eat and Yeah.
0: So they ate, we got to talk.
1: Um you, you have to be creative. creative.
0: Yeah, you do, and you have to do what you have to do. But you have to somehow keep maintaining maintaining the goal that we are going to eat together and we are going to learn some manners, Mm -hmm. you know, and we are going to um, be civilized and we are going to make food important. But there are some days when you just have to fight through.
1: Right, right. And, you know, start. it's simple, but starting the meal with prayer reminds everybody that we do love each other. And and God has been so good to us to give us this food and this family and this house to eat it in. And I think it just kind of starts everything off on on the right note as well.
0: Um, And so— How can we engage our children? I'm looking at this quote in this book also on page 119, if you, if you have your mm-hmm. book here. So um, talking about about the culinary arts in the previous page, she says, cooking as an art, a hidden art, if you want to call it so, should be recognized and then developed in everyone who wants to cook, has to cook, wants to cook, or could cook. Cooking should not be thought of as a drudgery, but as an art and then on the next page or two pages over, she talks about all the lost arts of, um, that all our grandmothers all used to do, you know, homemade everything and jams and jellies and relishes and pickles. And how about how all those are lost arts? And then she says, for growing children at play, there's nothing so interesting as really doing things. So my question is, did you involve your kids in doing all, in doing these things? And I know you have a daughter who's a baker so you must have you must yes have. i so think talk a little bit about that
1: um i tried to give them room to sort of find their their thing you know what they were interested in mm-hmm. and support that and encourage that so um a couple of the girls were very much into desserts and cookies and one went into the you know cake decorating end of things and um and, and just you know, breads and and pastries, and, and to this day, she's she's the one who works in a bakery, um, and so but she also has a business degree, and so she does kind of half time baking and half time corporate accounts. So it's fun to watch and to see where the Lord has led her. Um, you know one of the boys was just not much of a cook at all at home and we still laugh to this day about the time he made brownies never tasted the batter so first of all how do you bake brownies <laughs> and not like the spin if he did he would have realized he had substituted salt for sugar oh oh <laughs> totally <good> an <laughs> animal um, you know so for him cooking was more survival um, yeah. and, and, you know, being able to heat up the chicken nuggets or the frozen pizza in case he was babysitting. Cause he was the oldest and a lot of times he was in the, the role of, you know, watching the little ones. Um, but to this day, now that he is a dad with his own kids, he will get out there and find stuff on the internet and, and hunt down a recipe or get inspired. And, and he's very, very capable. So. Um, you just never know. You know, that, that you kid don't intake, know.
0: Yeah.
1: All he can do is heat up chicken nuggets, ends up, you know, making this amazing dish just because he, he knows how to do it.
0: So. Yeah, that's like David. I don't remember him cooking when he lived at home, other than maybe eggs. I don't remember him being much at cooking at all. Like they would help me for when they were little, they thought it was really fun to help make the pizza or make cookies. But then when we got to be a teenager. I don't remember him ever really cooking. But you know, now he's a dad with four kids, and he is an amazing cook. You know, mm-hmm. and he, yes. he and I cook t- together a lot of projects and Cersei related things. And whenever there's something going on at our house or you know celebration of some kind, he he has the ideas. He has. The, best ingredients because, you know, you just don't make biscuits with anything but the best lard and the best buttermilk. And so he's kind of a food snob in that way. But like, I, I just look at it and think, where'd that come from? Well, somehow something rubbed off, you know, I mean, probably he just, he grew into that obviously, but also he caught something, mm-hmm. I think, you know, when, when he was young and, and it's just been a really great relationship builder between us because you often ask me questions about cooking well will they all do and i'm sure yours do too you get the text about mm-hmm. um, does this chicken look right and they send a photograph of some terribly looking chicken by <laughs> <thigh. laughs> and you're supposed to you're supposed to know but those kinds of as they grow up relationship can really develop around food and you know and that's a beautiful thing to see
1: Right. And and even going home to visit the grandparents, you know, they, they, each set of grandparents had their own special things that, that they were known for and that the kids would request, you know, so that was a lot of fun. Again, the, the generational idea of um, kind of having that heritage. Um, Mm -hmm. And so one thing my mom did, I don't know if I would ever be able to do this, but it's an idea for those of us who are older moms with with you know, whose kids are growing. My mom actually wrote a cookbook and self-published it of all the family favorites and gave it to us one Christmas um, just as a, a wonderful gift and a story of her life kind of through the food she grew up cooking and eating. And then that is a, a huge treasure. Yeah, It's a beautiful. And if that's that world beyond world. you or you think, oh, I could never do that. Um, another thing that we had a lot of fun with in our family, now that the kids are a little older and we're all spread out is one year I gave them all the same cookbook for Christmas. Oh, well, that's and so a good idea. All, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a shared starting point of, of conversation because a lot of the recipes in there are things that you know we grew up eating and enjoying, and so I knew they'd love the recipes, which they do. Um, but now you know we can. Oh yeah, it's, you know it's in it's in real Cajun on page you know one hundred and twenty five, and I'm making that for dinner. So mm, that was that was really
0: fun. Yeah. Um, is the kitchen the heart of your home?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. What goes on there? Um, well, we remodeled it about um, eight, ten years ago and really opened it up and gave it more workspace, more storage space. But our where we eat has always been in the kitchen. So our our. Our eating eating area for everyday meals mm-hmm. is in the kitchen. Um, someone was always doing schoolwork at the dining. Yeah, you know, I the dining table in the kitchen, and um, so yeah. And we just have kind of this one big living area, and this is where we hang out. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: I love that. Yeah. I, lo- I love that. In the, in this book, she says, um, bottom of page 119, the kitchen should be an interesting room in which communication takes place between child and mother and also among adults. It should be interesting in the same way as an artist's studio, as well as being a cozy spot in which to have a cup of tea while something is being watched or stirred or while waiting to take something out of the oven you know and that it it really is you know it it really should be the heart of the home and i'm i'm not sure if in this present culture of of eating out and fast food if it is for everybody but I think for most of our listeners particularly homeschoolers of course um, it really is the heart of the home and it's where so much of life takes place Absolutely. and so many conversations take place
1: now, I've, I've heard of some younger homeschooling moms having this tradition of kind of afternoon tea and, and if that's something Oh I you love that, that. Doing, yeah. I, I never did that with my kids I think it's wonderful by all means keep doing that because like you said it's just a spot where you can enjoy a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and relax for a little bit it. um you were you mentioned that the the kitchen was like an artist studio i yeah. love that metaphor um and so again i would also encourage um the moms out there you're you're worth investing in and in your kitchen as, as a part of just home management 101 um you need good tools um, mm. you need pots and pans that work you need knives that work you don't have to have the you know the chef's array of everything possible, but it should be a place where you enjoy working um, because you have what you need. So I would, you know, encourage you to look at, you know, investing in the the tools you need as an artist. And we work with food every day and we feed our families every day. So we should have, we should be able to work with, with good things. Um, The second thing in this day and age with, with Amazon that delivers everything to our house and um, you know, grocery stores that are just amazing receptacles of you know we're not like that Proverbs 31 woman that has to to go out and get all of these amazing ingredients they can come to our door and uh, have fun with them and experiment with them and and find find a cookbook author that you like and
0: experiment with that and involve your kids and and beauty too you know that it's yeah. it's not a waste of money to have some beautiful things in your kitchen um, right. I have fresh flowers on my kitchen table always and when they start to die, and I haven't got back to Trader Joe's for more, it always looks a little sad in there. And I think, like, oh, I really need to get my flowers. But it's just something that I love. And I, I, I get anxious when there's clutter on the kitchen table. So when the mail piles up, like when I bring the mail in, it doesn't go past the front door until I decide, does it go on my desk or the garbage? But when other people in my family bring the mail in, they drop it on the kitchen table. And then like, I, I, I feel anxious. It's like, please don't put that there. So so I need to, like, I just love, I just love that sense of order and beauty in my kitchen more than more than anywhere else in the house, I think.
1: Yes. There was a popular um, homemaking expert on the internet a while back, and and one of her um, pieces of advice was the last thing you do before you go to bed is at least shine your sink.
0: Um, Oh, yeah. Which, of
1: course, means in order to shine it, it has to be empty. It has to be empty, Um, which
0: means you might have to empty the dishwasher to put the last couple things that didn't make it in the dishwasher in there to get the sink empty.
1: Right. But it's a great habit, and I am such a firm believer in the power of habit um, right. It shapes us, and it, it just has an effect on on the people that we live with. I one of my favorite sayings, you know, people are more important than things. That is true, but the order of things affects people. Yeah. And when we see to the order of things, it makes a difference um, in the people, you know, in who we live with. So
0: yeah, and I um, I I think it the young years, you know, I'm thinking under teens is when that really really has to be instilled so that those habits develop. Um, um last week I had Christina Davis on. We were talking about um, ways, that, you know, children working in the home was part of what we talked about, and she said that she. Let, you know, has places in the lower set of cupboards for dishes so the kids could unload the dishwasher. I mean, it's such a simple thing. Make things make the so that they don't have to climb on the counter or, you know, not be able to reach where things go. So simple, but it establishes that habit of, of helping and orderliness. That's a really good point. And then that kind of leads me to the idea of relationship. And um, I, I mentioned, I'm just going to read this little blurb about, um, about, about food and relationship. And um, she says, to blend together a family, this is on page 124, if you have your book, to blend together a family group. To help human beings of 5, 10, 15, and 60 years of age to live in communication with each other and to develop into a family unit with constantly growing appreciation of each other and of the unit by really working at it in many different areas, but among others in the area of food preparation, is to do that which surely can compare with blending of oils in a painting or writing notes for a symphony." The cook in the home has opportunity to be doing something very real in the area of making good human relationships. And I think that's why I wanted to talk about food in relation to culture is that nourishment of the the, the body for sure, but also the soul, soul of the individual and the soul of the family.
1: That is so true. Um, I, I remember reading uh, at, in a a book about literature, and, and this person said, if an author is going to create a scene at dinner in a, in a book, mm. it's important because it's really hard to write a good dinner scene. Um, people are chewing, they're doing ordinary things like saying, pass the salt, the baby spills the milk. There's just not a lot going on that would make an interesting scene. So if an author is going to put a dinner scene in a book, it's important because food is communion, right? It's, it's, it's people... <laughs> Enjoying that um, that that shared experience with one another, and and when you sit down and eat with another person, you are saying, "I'm I'm your friend. We are we have a relationship. Enemies don't sit down and eat together." Yeah. So, yeah. To, so to have and, that experience,
0: and, and that's all through the scriptures, isn't it? You know, from the Garden of Eden through the feast, the the feast in heaven, you have so, so, so many stories of eating and drinking together, of Jesus feeding people. You know, the prodigal son, he doesn't come to himself until he has no food. And he goes home and the father prepares a feast, um, miracles around food, and uh, the bread and wine itself. You know, Jesus feeding us himself.
1: So for Edith Schaefer to say it's like an artist blending paints, I think that is a beautiful picture because if you've ever cooked anything, you know that you are taking these this disparate set of ingredients that by themselves don't look like much of anything. And then you work with them and you know their properties and you know how best to blend them and make them work together so that you get something greater than the sum of its parts. And, and that's families, right? We know our children, we know our husband, we know their strengths and their weaknesses. And, and we want to bring out the best in them. And we want to have an environment where they can shine. And, and dinner time can do that. You know, even if it's the, the youngest has a place to. to Recite what you know, what what she did at school that day, or what she learned, and, and everyone's going to listen and pay attention to her. And you know, when does that happen in a big family, right? But um, you get your <laughs> place to find at the dinner table, or maybe yeah. someone else gets to uh, tell a joke. You know, when kids first learn how to tell riddles and jokes, and they're kind of insufferable, but but we listen and we laugh because that, they're growing up and they're they're becoming a human being, and and all of those fun things that take place around the dinner table, um, and then eventually you get to the mm-hmm. point where. Like when we go home to grandparents, dinner's over and we don't leave because someone's going to tell a story, and we just enjoy the coffee or the dessert or we linger because nobody wants to miss out on, on what might
0: happen next. Right, and that that is such a beautiful image of lingering at the table in community with each other. You're just not there to to um, you know be like a car getting a fill up of gas. But we're we're there to be in community with each other. I love yes. that. Yeah, and that's you know, all related to tradition and all the wonderful things of family. It it all really the 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 table is really the culmination of it all. And so it's really worth all of our efforts to make that happen. And um so so what about the mom who didn't grow up in cooking like that, you know, or, or learning to cook or so, so, so many moms tell me, I got married. I didn't know how to do anything. I could boil water and that was it. You know, so, I mean, you've set, you've made a few suggestions uh, already, but what else can we say to that mother to encourage her to do, you know, one or two things to just make dinner time less of a, just less of a, I don't know, a chore And more of a delight.
1: Um, Oh, oh, so many fun ideas. One, find an older woman at church or in your homeschool community that you think does this particularly well and ask for help. Um, A lot of times, those of us who are older are afraid of being, we don't want to offer unsolicited advice. We don't want to seem critical. We don't want to be pushy. So we don't. Mm. But if a young mom were to come to me and say, would you please show me how to make a pie crust? I would be so happy to do that. Um, so find someone and ask. And it seems like in every church, there's usually that one who's so good at knowing which fork goes on which side of the plate. I still mm-hmm. never can figure that out. <laughs> um, they know how to arrange flowers. They know how to set a beautiful table and are so happy to share that knowledge. So it doesn't mean that you're going to do that every single night at your home, but but ask. So that would be the first thing. Um, the second thing is just concentrate on one thing at a time. So maybe, maybe hot dogs and chips are about the extent of your culinary prowess. That's okay. Go to, go to TJ Maxx or, you know, Home Goods, whatever the, the inexpensive Walmart, whatever, and find some pretty napkins and start with, I'm going to set a colorful table. I'm going to use pretty cloth napkins and some flowers. Even if we're eating peanut butter and jelly and mm-hmm. chocolate milk, we can start learning to appreciate a beautiful table. Um so start there. Um, in you know, today's internet age, it's so easy to find things, and there's almost too many things to look at online. But I'm going to give you one quick little Instagram account to follow because I found it fascinating. Um, and I don't know who this person is other than I follow her on Instagram, but um, it's called Cheese by Numbers. Think paint by numbers, but with cheese. Oh. And so she gives you the step-by-step approach to how to build a beautiful, Cheese board. Oh, um, I
0: would love that.
1: And and they're gorgeous. And it's like, wow, I can follow these instructions. They are so simple. And. You know, today's, a lot of times we go to someone's house, we say, what can I bring? And, you know, you just want to bring something quick that you put together. It's not that hard. It, there's no cooking involved. You're mm-hmm. just opening packages, but it's all about how you arrange it. And then she's a lot of fun to look at. So that's another thing. And also just finding a good cookbook that you can relate to. And that's important. It has to be, it has to be one that you enjoy. You relate to the author. She speaks your language. He speaks your language. Um, and, and you're excited about trying these new things. So the library, of course, is a great resource. My, my daughter with the four kids gets all kinds of cookbooks at the library and then decides if she likes them or not. And it's, if, you know, if it's not worth investing in, then you haven't lost anything. Um, there's a great cookbook. It's a little bit older now, but you can probably find it in the library. The author is Anne Hodgman, H-O-D-G-M-A-N, and it's called One Bite Won't Kill You. And she writes recipes specifically for kids who are kind of picky eaters, oh. and uh, but they taste good and they're pretty simple to make, so that that's a lot of fun too. Um, and then just talking to your friends, you know, it's a great great thing to find a friend who's maybe better at it than you are. You can swap cookbooks, you can swap recipes. Um, you can. I, I've known friends who've even done dinner swaps where they each take a turn making like you know main dishes, and then they they get to trade with each other. So
0: Mm. you can be pretty creative. We have, there's, there's a, in in Concord here, um, there is a great community of young couples and some of my kids are, are involved in that community and they, they get together all the time. They um, simple or fancy. And one thing that they do, well, two things, they have a friends giving. So, you know, the week before Thanksgiving, they pull together and they do a a big, they call it Friendsgiving, but it's all the Thanksgiving food and it's, you know, maybe 20, 25 people come and everybody brings something. And it's, it's just a really, really fun way of building community with all those young couples. And then they also do um, about every four to six weeks, um, one of them hosts a meal from a different country. And so I think everybody brings something. And, but, but of, and of course, for the family who hosts that, it's it's work. It's mm-hmm. a lot of work. You know, they you know, you would have to clean the house at of time and buy and prepare food and other people would have to get babysitters, but the community that 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 fosters is so amazing that it's worth all every bit of effort. You know, and, and every dollar spent and and all the time. Spent. And those so, relationships
1: yeah, yeah,
0: they're going to last for years. Yes, yeah. And so uh, it, it's just a beautiful thing to see all those young couples getting together and supporting each other. Because, you know, w- the young baby years can be lonely when, you know, for, for moms, especially if they're stay-at-home yeah. moms who are who are just at home. And, and yet um, food preparation and celebration and just getting together, you know, for tea in the afternoon with their kids is is. So life-saving and life-giving to them, that it's 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 a beautiful thing to see developing and happening. And you know, from my perspective and yours too, I guess um, we're not we're not in that in that in those trenches anymore. And so I love seeing the creative things that people are doing to support each other you know, with all these young families taking taking care of each other in that way. And that all is All around food, yeah. Yeah. So we have talked we've kind of talked around, we've talked in some circles. Um we've we've talked about our own experiences and um and about our our kids growing up years and some some ideas and um, encouragement for young moms. Is there anything that that you would like to touch on that we haven't that we haven't talked on yet? That um um service and Maybe serving people at church or food, or you know, I feel like there's probably big topics that we haven't covered. Is there anything you'd like to add?
1: Wow, um, I can't. I, well, I feel like we've covered a lot. Yeah, we have. <laughs> we have. I just, you know, I would just say, you know, ask the Lord. Um, I would just encourage whoever's listening, ask the Lord to show you how to be obedient in whatever season of life you're in. Um, that that food is such a great way to connect with people. So whether it's having someone over to your own home or whether bringing something to someone else, um, you know, people people like home home cooked, home baked things, and it it speaks to them if you can um, share share that with them. Yeah. So I would, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of cooking, obviously. So I would say find a way to um, to develop your gifts and to share them with others.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I and I and I love that you brought in the seasons that there there's seasons of life and it kind of relates to seasons of cooking. Cuz for example, um when we had five kids at home and we two, there was probably a lot of pasta and rice and potatoes, casseroles, macaroni and cheese, big pots of chili served over rice with bread because you were feeding all these kids who could eat a lot. Yes. And now when Andrew and I are home alone, I don't cook like that at all. You know, now we might have um, some boneless chicken and a salad or um, salmon and broccoli and cauliflower, but, or steak and vegetables and salad. But really, I I almost never cook pasta just for us. I never do potatoes just for us. I love all that stuff, but, you know, <laughs> And I just, we just try to eat leaner and, and because there's only the two of us, we can eat steak. Whereas right. I never did steak when we were oh, all no, we in like, it. That was not a possibility. It was spaghetti. <laughs> no. It was, what can I do with ground beef again? Yes. Or, or, you know, what can I do with meatless spaghetti? What can I put in here? Cause we don't, you know, the money just is gone from the budget and we've got to have macaroni and cheese again or whatever, which is all wonderful. And the kids love all those foods, but the season has changed. And, you know, that's all part of life. So, you know, yeah, you don't have to eat spaghetti once a week forever.
1: (laughs) We had that that once a month cooking years where we, you know, filled up the freezer with meals and I had a make a mix cookbook where we were making homemade mixes for Mm, everything. Yeah, like Um, the
0: Bisquick and all of those. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So there are
0: definitely, just like there are definite seasons in In all of life, there are seasons of cooking. Also, you know, I I love when I have my grandchildren over because I really like peanut butter and jelly, or and I they all know I love hot dogs. So you know, it's fun to have them around when I can eat like that.
1: Oh, I'm going to throw one more thing in there, Um, yeah. Just because this is something that is probably more prevalent now than when you and I were maybe uh, raising our kids earlier, but there's a lot of issues around food these days, as far as what people can and cannot eat.
0: Oh yeah. You know, different allergies. Yeah, a lot of gluten-free.
1: And, um, and so it was, it really was brought home to me um, with my apprenticeship group. We, we have dinner together when we have one of our retreats here in Houston. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so this last time I have some gluten-free people and I found a really nice little cupcake recipe um, for chocolate cake with gluten-free it was a gluten free cake and gluten free frosting, and I guess it was yeah, it was gluten free. Um, but uh, so I made them, and and one of them came up and said, "Thank you so much for remembering us and for." for actively doing something to serve those of us who usually are, we feel kind of pushed aside or we feel like, Mm. Oh yeah, we're just like the, Oh yeah. And here's your gluten-free box cookie Mm. or something. So um, it it did take me out of my comfort zone. That's not a way I normally cook and I had to get ingredients. I don't normally buy, but, but it felt good to, to meet somebody's needs again, to to do something for them um, and to show them I care about you. And so we're never too old to learn new things and and to try to find new ways to reach out to people. Um, So that is one way we can do that.
0: Right. And that's a way that, you know, food really can take care of people's needs, not just their physical need, but the, you know, their need to feel included and loved. And that's one of the things that food does and that when we provide for our family, that's what we're doing. We're, we're expressing our love to them. Ultimately. And so we want to do that to the glory of God. And, um, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all part of what we do as mothers in taking care of our children, body and soul. So let's not underestimate the power of what, of the, that food has, you know, in our lives and in our homes. So thank you for being with me renee and um i'm looking forward to listening to your podcast coming up remind us again what what the title of it is
1: mentoring moms and it's for for those moms who are looking for mentoring and those who are capable of offering encouragement to others so hopefully it will be applicable to moms no matter which season of life that they're in we're going to be talking about relationships and friendships and how to encourage one another
0: oh good that's great and then um Next week, I hope to record um, a podcast on music and art and how they contribute to the culture in our home. And then we, the other topics coming up are beauty and nature, and amusements and recreation. And literature and poetry and i hope to have heidi whiteback and emily hill and Elsie uticello of the farmhouse schoolhouse website and instagram account if any of you follow her and so i'm um, looking forward to being back with you again and um, again renee thank you for being with me today you're welcome it was fun